All right, y'all. So if you don't know this about me, I'm the youth pastor back there, and I like reactions when I call for a reaction, and I just called for a reaction. So we're going to try this one more again, okay? Good morning. Awesome. Stand up and worship with us this morning. Have you ever seen the As the eyes begin to open And the blindness means the light Help us sing If you have so sing I see the world in light I see the world in wonder I see the world in light First thing in living color I see the world your way, and I'm walking in the light. Have you ever seen a wonder? Come on. Have you ever seen the wonder? And you have second life. And you come out of the waters with the old left behind.
Amen. Hey, turn to somebody you don't know and shake hands. Tell them you love them.
Heavenly Father, we just come before you, Lord. We thank you so much that you do love us so. That God, that no matter what we faced this past week, no matter what we might have done or anything like that, Lord, it does not change the love you have for us. So God, as we are just here in these moments, God, will you just, uh, would you just speak to our hearts? Allow us to set aside anything that we may have faced this past week, maybe the things that we have coming up in the week ahead, God, that we just be able to focus in on you today. Focus in on the love that you have for us, God, and what it means to be in that relationship with you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you're with all of us that are worshiping here in this, in this building today, throughout this building, in the cafe, with our students, our children, Lord, with those that are worshiping with us online, Lord. We're just so grateful for all of them, Lord. Just speak to each and every one of us. Lord, I ask that you just use Pastor Gay today, Lord, that you would speak through her, God. Deliver that message that you want us to hear, God, and those parting words, God, you have for us today. Lord, we just ask that you would just have your way in this service. God, we give you all the praise and all the glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Welcome to Salem Fields Community Church. We are so glad that you've decided to worship with us. Um, if you're worshiping here in the cafe, good morning out in the cafe. Good morning to those that are worshiping with us online. Um, hey, in just a few moments, our usher's going to come by and we're going to take our morning tithes and offerings. And if you're a guest with us this morning, please don't feel obligated to give in these offerings, these our tithes. This is just a way that we, as uh, they call Salem Fields Community Church our home, um, those of us that are in that place with God in our relationship to put God first in the area of our finances to that we give back to God in our tithes and offerings. There's lots of different ways that you can, you can give today. It's uh, when the ushers come by, you can do, put in that bucket there. If you are uh, watch, worshiping online with us this morning, you can uh, click on the button at the top of your screen there. Um, we also have, uh, you can uh, give through our giving kiosk. It's located out in the lobby. There's a little uh, debit card, credit card machine there. You can uh, give through there. Um, also, um, you can give if you have your app. You can pull out the Salem Fields app and give right there, uh, the Salem Fields app, and that's a great way to do that. Um, as well. It goes in right right away and it's there. Um, hey, but also if you have your phone with you this morning, go. it's a great time for you to check into social media, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever it is that you use this morning. It's a great way for us to connect with the community outside of the walls of the church. And, um, you know, people people will use those, uh, click on your likes and click and see where you're going and they're going to kind of get an idea of what Salem Fields is all about before they even walk in the doors. And so this is a great way to invite your friends to worship with us. Maybe they're not able to come with us right now, be here right now, but or they can make the next service, or they could just log in online and worship with us online this morning. So that's a great way to, for them to do that. So make sure you're checking in on your social media this morning. And then um, if you have your connection card, we want you to fill out that connection card. Again, it's a great way for you to stay connected uh, to Salem Fields, for us to stay connected with you as a staff. Um, if you want to find out information on uh, things that are coming up or you have questions, it's a great thing to put on that connection card. Um, you can also do that if you're worshiping online. There's a connection card at the top of your screen. Click on that. We really encourage you to, to do that um, because it's a great way for us to stay stay connected, a great way for us to find out what it is that your prayer needs might be and, and how we can be praying for you as a church. And then if you're a first-time guest with us this morning, again, Welcome to Salem Fields, and uh, we have a, we'd like for you to make sure that you feel connected. You have all your questions answered about what Salem Fields is about this morning. So before you leave, there's a first-time guest loca table located out by the front doors. Be sure to stop by there. We have a gift for you. We wanted just to show you our appreciation for you coming and worshiping with us this morning. And uh, so make sure you pick that up. Hey, and then a couple weeks, we've got a couple great things that are coming up. We've got our celebration service happening on March 22nd. That's going to be one service only. There's no Saturday night service on the 21st, and there's no 9 or 11 that day. We're doing one service on the 22nd at 1030. What time are we doing that service at? 
All right, so you want to make sure you don't show up at 9. I mean, you're more than welcome to hang out with us at 9, but you're just uh, you're going to be here for a little bit. But 10.30 is the time we're going to kick off a celebration service. This is a time of celebration where we come and we share in uh, communion together. Um, we get to uh, celebrate the people having their children dedicated or dedicating their lives to raising their children. It's when you dedicate your children to uh, have a child dedication, it's, a, it's as parents, as family, as a church that we are dedicated our lives to helping these families, these parents raise their children to come to know Jesus Christ. And so we celebrate that on that day. We also have our baptisms um, on there. And then uh, we're going to have, a, then we're going to kick it off with a huge celebration um, because that is, um, that it will be our last Sunday with uh, pastors Buddy and Gay as our pastors here at Sandal Fields. And um, so we want you to come and be a part of that, to come and celebrate with us as we celebrate them, as we send them off into the next chapter of their life. I won't say retiring because we know they're not retiring. We know that they're just moving on to the next journey God has for them. So we want to be a, uh, we want them to know just how much, um, I can't do this. <laughs> Um, how much of an impact they've had on each and every one of our lives. I know the impact not only as my in-laws, but as my mentors in ministry, how uh, much of a difference they've made. So we want to celebrate that on March 22nd. And um, so we have lots of different ways you can be a part of that even prior to um, that. If you want to bring in gifts or cards, um, we have a table that's located out in the small lobby. You can be bringing those in um, uh, up until that date. Um, we also have uh, a room set up. If you want to send, um, we want to put together something special for them. If you want to just say something special about Buddy and Gay um, for that celebration, we have a room set up where you can go in and record a message um, that's uh, located. And if you come out to see me in the lobby after church, I'll show you where that room is. And you can come and kind of share your, your heart and what the difference that they've made. Um, maybe their ministry has made in, in your life. And so we want to be a, um, want you to be a part of that. And, um, and again, come and be a part of that. We will take a love offering um, that day to, for them. So um, be thinking about that, praying about that, what, what, what you'd want to do for them that day. But we'll take a love offering on the 22nd. And so the 22nd is a big day. So what, day, what time? 10.30. March 22nd, one service. We want you to be here to celebrate. We're going to continue worship. Aren't you boys With your quiet voice And impeccable style Don't ever let them steal your joy And your gentle ways To keep them from running wild They can kick dirt in your face Dress you down Tell you that your place is in the middle When they hate the way you shine I see you tugging on your shirt Trying to hide inside of it And hide how much it hurts Let on Jokes of 
awesome song, wasn't it? Well, have I got some parting words for you. Here's my final words. Watch this. Let's have a warm LT welcome. Bobby Boucher. Come on, Bobby. Tell me, what is your secret? How do you find yourself in the right position all the time? That, 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 that's a good question. What, what happens is that the, 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 the center has, has the ball first, and, and, and a quarterback will say hike. That's when the center puts the, the ball in, into the, the hands of, of the quarterback. So what I do is I, I start tackling the quarterback, unless he gives the ball to somebody else, in which case I'll, I'll try to tackle that person. Gentlemen, what brings me to my next point, don't smoke crack. And there it is. <laughs> my final words to you are don't smoke crack. What, what are my final words? You promised me you won't. <laughs> You'll remember that one, won't you? Okay, so if you have come to Salem Fields, if you're new at Salem Fields or you've come in the past year, Times are changing here at Salem Fields Community Church, and uh, as leaders, Buddy and I were called many years ago to be change agents. That's what we are. Both of us believe in change. We create change, and we know that when change happens, growth can happen. Now, change can be painful. Change can be good, change can, but change can promote growth. And so uh, at, in October, follow my timeline here, October of 2018, uh, after 24 years of Buddy and I being uh, the lead pastors here, we knew that it was time for another change. And so um, we knew that this change would be as important for the future of Salem Fields as anything that we've done in the past. So here we are, a year and four months later, and uh, we had no idea that we'd still be here uh, in October of 2014, So just or 2018. I just kind of want to bring you up to that. It was October 2018 that Buddy and I, for the first time, were on the same page. Both of us, we never moved forward with anything until we had unity with each other. And there were times when I would say, oh, man, I, I've had enough. We've got to get out of here. And he'd say, I just don't think it's quite time yet. And then there were times when he said, we've got to get out of here. And I'd say, oh, I just don't sense that it's, it's time. So it was October 2018 that both of us came to the point where we said, you know what? It is, it is time for a change. And so we did what you do in that situation, we called our district superintendent. We said, let's begin to work together on this process that, uh, and we thought that we would, could be out of here by April of 2019. Now that's a whole year ago. And he had said to us, you know, you guys have been there, your tenure has been pretty lengthy, and the size of this church, it's probably going to take a little bit longer than that. And so we said, okay, we'll extend our time until December 2019, and that was at the end of last year. And so we wanted, Buddy and I wanted to do everything that we could to set this church up to be successful in the future because we had lived by vision. We knew that it was going to be important to transfer this vision 
to the next leaders. You see, this church has never been about me and Buddy. We have never, we never set out to say, we're the ones that uh, the, the focus should be pointed at. What this church has been about is about vision. A vision that God gave this place 20 plus years ago, and uh, he gave that vision for this unique body. Salem Fields Community Church was unlike any other church. When we began this, we were doing things not to be cute or to be anything. It was just to follow the vision that God had given us. Because the way Buddy and I saw this was that it wasn't about us. God had entrusted us with a gift that he had given for this community and a gift that he had given for this unique body. And that was the vision. And he entrusted us to be faithful caretakers, faithful stewards. It's just like um, your children. If you have children, you know, you don't own them. They don't belong to you. God has entrusted you to be a caretaker of that child. God has given that child on loan to you. You don't own it. Your responsibility is to be the best caretaker, the best role model, the best uh, protector of that child. And so the way Buddy and I saw it was that that was what God had entrusted us. And we took that very seriously. And so we, we knew that there would be great personal cost. We knew that there would be risk. And we accepted what God had entrusted us with until we knew that he released us. And so in 2018, we began to sense that he was releasing us. You never know exactly what God is up to, but you take the next step. That's what faith is. It's not just saying, I believe. It's taking a step of faith and action. It's stepping into the unknown. It's not knowing for sure, but it's trusting him that he's going to be there. And so what we did was we led by that vision. And we called on the people of Salem Fields Community Church to be vision carriers. And for 25 years, that's exactly what happened. Now, here's what vision carriers are. Vision carriers, and that's what we all are here, where vision carriers cooperate to see that God's plan and purpose is fulfilled. And it's for the good of all. Vision, y'all, is very serious. You know, the tendency for people to think is, oh, we'd go speak to pastors. We've spoken to them all around the, the country. Because in the Bible, it says, where there is no vision. Now here, it says, where there is no revelation, which is the same as vision, people cast off restraint. What that means is that if you don't have a single-minded focus of what you're doing, and the leaders are following that, people just kind of wander off. They'll get into their own little cliques. They'll maybe have unity over here and unity over here, but they won't have unity all together. And so it says when you don't have that kind of vision that, that uh, people just kind of uh, go their own way, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom, instruction. And the role of a leader is to listen to that wisdom of the Lord. And for leaders, what caring vision means is carrying a burden. 
And we'd go speak to pastors, and pastors would want a vision, and we'd say, God, you've got to spend time with God until you know that you know that you know that God has given you that vision. Because once you know that and you understand that you're the one responsible for that he has entrusted you to lead with that vision, you're going to hit up with some very, very difficult times, and you've got to be convinced. You've got to be sure, because vision means carrying a burden to assure God's plan and purpose for the whole body, not just groups of the body, but for the whole body. And it takes the Holy Spirit to have unity and to fulfill for this community what God gave. Now, it's really hard. It's been one of the hardest things, especially you complicate that with Buddy and I both being very strong leaders, God calling both of us to do this, and then being married. I mean, you can't ever get away from it. You can't go do your job and then go home and gripe and complain about what happened at your job. No, you just have to. And, and so you know that this was a God thing for, for God to be able to allow Buddy and I to still care about each other. And I've got to tell you, we're at probably a better place with each other than we ever have been because we've committed to grow through this and to allow everything that's happened here to transform us and to develop us. And it's paying off at this stage of our life because we're probably better than ever. You see, God works through vision. He has down through history. He gave Noah a vision. Moses had a vision. Joshua had a vision. Isaiah had a vision. Daniel had a vision. They, they were all given a vision to carry God's message forward. From Genesis to Revelation, John was given a vision about what, yet's to, what is yet to come. God works through vision. He's done that throughout time. And then Joel, at the end of the Old Testament, gave, uh, he prophesied about a vision that Paul repeated in the New Testament, which is our day. This one is for us. This is the one that we're living right now that we have to continue to carry throughout history because that's what he's called us to do. And it says this, it says, in the last days, which we are now in the last days. Now, we don't know how long it's going to be until Jesus comes. Nobody does. Even Jesus doesn't know that. There's going to be a time when God comes to Jesus, and he's going to say, it's time, and that's when Jesus will come back. So if anybody tries to tell you a date or a time when Jesus is going to come back, it's not true, because even Jesus doesn't know. But what we do know is that we are in New Testament times, and these are the last days. And the early church began the process, and it said, Paul said this, he said, in the last days, God says, and this was the prophecy of Joel, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your men and your women, your sons and your daughters, no longer are men better than women or women better than men. He will pour it out on all people, all people. And your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. You see, throughout history, God's message has been passed down through the generations by vision. And leaders today are still called to lead by vision. And what that means is that when you step out into faith, when you step out into the unknown, you're gonna, it's dangerous. It is dangerous territory. 
And so throughout time, God gave us a vision, and there were many people that tried to get us off vision, and our responsibility was to stubbornly hold fast to that vision for this unique body in this unique community because we were called for that, and that was our responsibility. So it wasn't, it was about stubborn leaders that held to the vision, but it wasn't about Buddy and Gay. This church has never been about Buddy and Gay. It's been about a vision that God has given to carry the message of God down through the ages. You see, vision is action. And we can say, I believe. But if we're not stepping forward into that dangerous territory, if we're not stepping out of the boat, then you're not going to have credibility. There's no way that we can say that we have faith and, and we're not stepping into that dangerous territory where we're risking our reputation, where we're risking other people looking at us and saying, telling lies about us or whatever it is. But are we willing to risk that? And as leaders, we had a high calling and a high responsibility to what God had given us. And here's the vision that he gave. And it was simply this, for word by faith. But here's what we knew. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And faith is not something static. Faith is something that we are continually stepping into, stepping into the unknown. And my concern in our church today is that we're fearful, that we're not doing things, that we're not being honest because we're fearful or we're not stepping in. We're forgetting that God calls us to step into the unknown and whatever response happens there, he will be with us. And the Bible says this, it says, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, not on people or building. We fix our eyes on what is unseen. There's a whole spiritual world that's happening as we speak here. We can look around and we can read the screens or we can see the chairs or we can say hello to people. But there is a spiritual world that is happening that God says we need to be mindful of and we need to keep our mind on. And what seems one way is not that way at all. And the only way that we're going to be privy to knowing what's going on in that unseen world is by reading God's word and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us. You see, the focus is not on the leader or the buildings or what we want to happen or what we see, but being on what can't be seen personally as vision carriers, and corporately as a body of believers. And so for 25 years, Buddy and I were charged to keep Salem Fields on course with that vision. And so what we saw in this transition was that it was our responsibility to transfer that vision from what God had given to the next leaders. Now for Buddy and I, oh man, we have been anticipating this. Some people think that it's been hard for us to make this change. Absolutely not. Do you know what we see? We see new adventures out ahead. We see travel. We see relationships. We are excited and we have been anticipating. Uh, the only thing, you know, we don't want to plan anything. All we know is that the day after we have that party here at Salem Fields, we're headed to Hilton Head. Some friends have been generous enough to give us a, a condo down there 
And he and I are going to decide when we're down there if we're going to come back home or if we're going to go down to see my brother. We're not going to make that decision until we get down there. That's going to be our life. And all we know is in April, we've got a little train trip. We're going to head out to the coronavirus out into Seattle, and we're going to travel down to, to L.A. and spend a few days in there. Those are the only plans we have. Wouldn't you think that would be pretty awesome to look forward to? <laughs> yeah, every time I talk to somebody about retirement and they've got like three or four years away, I just see their eyes kind of going like, oh. <laughs> and so this has not been hard for us to anticipate or to wait or to, to know that it's going to happen at all. But here's what we have known in this last year and four months. We also knew this change was important. And so from October 2018, until October 2019, we worked diligently and prayerfully. But at that point, it took a different turn. And we realized that at that point, that we were no longer part of the process. Now, I got to tell you, for us, that was tough to know that we would not be part of or have a voice in what would happen in the future. But we also knew that this church is not ours. We also knew that we've only been entrusted. And we also knew that there comes a point where you have to submit. And Buddy and I and every leader on the face of the earth needs to understand how to submit. And so that's what we did. And that's what we've done. We live in a country where probably we've got as many different opinions and viewpoints about our government, but there are certain things that we, whether we agree or don't, we have to submit to. That's a challenge, to know how to be a believer and to submit. All of us have to do that according to our own convictions. Because, you see, Buddy and I still wanted to be a team player. We still want to be a team player, and we decided that we would be until March 22nd. Now, in hindsight, that overtime, these last three months have been exhausting. We can see the horizon. We can see that we're out there, but we know we're people that will keep our word. And so it's been exhausting. And we haven't been sure why God called us to stay these last three months. Some things you just don't know. So in a way, for us to have been up here with these parting words, it's sort of felt like we're house guests that have overstayed our welcome. <laughs> it's sort of felt like we're that boxer that climbs into the ring one more time, hoping that they can get the championship, only for everyone else to know they should have retired years ago. Or it sort of feels like that person that decides that one more round of chemotherapy, and my brother did this, and place the hope in that one more round of chemotherapy will make me well, only to find out that it takes away every last bit of your quality of life. That's kind of how it feels to Buddy and I in these last three months. However, y'all, I've never been one to allow my feelings to dictate the direction of my life. It's always been by conviction and by the leading 
of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes you have no idea why he leads you the way he does. But there is great joy in following Jesus and following the voice of the Holy Spirit anyway. And so that's what we've been doing. We're not a, we, we don't understand all that God's doing or has done in these last three months, but we are trusting in the unseen hand of God. And so we're here anyway. One more time. This is my last time here, buddy's last time. This is the last time I'll address you this way. I told the crowd last night, and I've got one more. But this is the last time. And I am so grateful for this last beautiful opportunity to share my final parting words with you. And we all know, all I know, is that on Sunday morning, March 22nd, we're going to celebrate and give God glory for what he's done through this vision that God gave. When Buddy and I and Jody and Christian came here, and we were honest with everyone, and we risked being honest, and we said, we're broken people. And we began to attract people who said, we're broken too. And we just want a place where we can be real and be honest. We don't have to put on church face. And we're, we're going to give God glory for everything that, he done, that he's done as a result of that, done through this vision and through faithful, generous people down through the years. It will be the evidence, March 22nd in the morning at 1030, will be the evidence of Jesus' parting words to his disciples. And here's what it was. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria. And see, Jesus was saying, you'll be my witnesses right here where you are, and that will spread out to the next city in town, and that will spread out to the next city in town, and then that will spread out to the remotest part of the earth. Do you know who Jesus was talking about right there? Fredericksburg, Virginia. <laughs> His words are still alive and well today. And on March 22nd, we're going to celebrate what that vision has done and the witnesses and the evidence of God. We're going to see baptisms and child dedications and testimonies. And we're going to see the evidence of transformed lives. And we're going to enjoy relationships that we've built and learn to trust everything that has mattered to me and Buddy and our family. So with my parting words today, I simply want to remind us of that vision. Because even though it may not continue here at Salem Fields Community Church, this vision will be the guiding light of my life from here until the day I die. It can be a personal vision for you. When God gave that vision, it wasn't just a little catchy phrase. We've had lots of catchy phrases here. Jump, grow, soar, reaching, bridging, guiding, all of those things. We've, done, we've raised millions of dollars with little catchy phrases, and God blessed that. But this vision is not a little catchy phrase. It is part of every fabric of my being. I can answer everything I do with this vision. Everything that God calls me to be, I can answer with this. This can be a personal vision for you. 
So while this legacy may not be in this building or here, it can be in the hearts and the minds of people that spread out across the land that have taken a vision for their life and have decided to live by faith and to risk and to play it dangerous and to, do, and to, to live your life for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And it can spread out to the remotest parts of the earth. It doesn't need to be contained here at Salem Fields Community Church because I will take this beyond the walls here. And here's what it is. It's four word by faith. First of all, it's spiritual growth. Second of all, it's worship. Third of all, it's facilities. And you say, what? Well, we're going to get to that. And fourth of all, then it is ministry to others. You see, leaders may change, but God's plan and purpose for his message to be carried never will. So it is, this can be personal. So I want to go down through these four with you, and I want to share with you what excites me. It, it has excited me for 25 years, and it will continue to excite me as I go on the campus of William and Mary, or as I do my TED Talk, or as I do uh, go to a political rally. Or as I, whatever I do or wherever I go, this will excite me. First of all, spiritual growth. God, when God gave this vision, Buddy and I knew that there is no way that we could lead until we grew spiritually ourselves. That's where it begins. In order to be a leader, you have to represent to people that you're growing too. We're not the experts that are telling you how to do it. We were the people that were saying, hey, we struggle too. This is what we're dealing with, but here's how we're handling it. And here's the conviction and the determination that we're going to have to end our lives aligned and in tune with, with God. So we knew that we needed to grow first. We knew that we needed to have personal integrity. This was something very, very important to me because I told you before, I worked in the, in the contemporary Christian music industry for years and I was a professional counselor and I was listening to what was happening and I would see them sing on, on stage and so many of them, now many of them are, are true blue and they're real and I have a friend that is just incredible, but there were many that were singing one thing on the stage and living a completely different way. You want to harm the name of Jesus? That's what we do. Our personal life is not the same as our, as our uh, public life. And I was determined that in our home, as difficult as it was to be leaders, that we were going to be living out the same thing in our personal lives as what you saw us here. And so that was our first order of business, to be a genuine, honest, transparent person. That's your first order of business, to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Because I can tell you, young people and unchurched people can spot a fake in a New York sect. And that's why I think we've got a lot of empty chairs, because we don't have enough people in the church that are willing to be honest and transparent, and real. And so that was our first charge. And then over time, God gave me this little book, and he showed me me. And he showed me that we have a blind spot. And he showed me my blind spot. 
And I was courageous enough to dig into that. And he began to show me things that needed to be transformed. He began to show me things that needed to be changed. Things that I had learned, some folklore. And I did that tough work. And we, I dug into that because, you see, what that does is develop honesty and character. To admit when you're wrong, we don't see much of that these days anymore. We're pointing out what everyone else is doing wrong. But to admit where we've done wrong, to introspect, to allow God to change me instead of standing up here and telling you how God needs to change you. No, God needs to change me first. Didn't Jesus say that? Didn't he say before you start pointing the finger at other people, you need to take a look at your own heart? Isn't that what Jesus told us? You see, all of us have a blind spot. That's why we need relationships to help us see ourselves. That's God planned for other relationships to show us where we needed to change. But, but don't we look at our spouse and we say, but if he would just change then everything would be okay. That's what we do. We point the finger instead of saying, no, that's in me. And I wrote down here, everyone has BS. <laughs> that's my shortened version of blind spot. But then I realized, yeah, <laughs> everyone has BS. And we need to be gutsy enough and courageous enough to call ourselves out. And so we knew that was the spiritual growth that as leaders that we needed to do, and we did that before you. If we're not willing to do that, you know what it'll do? Subconsciously, we will be very self-serving. Now, I can tell you that from a mental health professional standpoint, but I can also tell you that from a biblical standpoint. Subconsciously, we become self-serving if we are unwilling to look at our own blind spots. You see, spiritual growth, which in... Nazarene terms is called sanctification, but it's also biblically called sanctification. Happens when we allow God to change us. And we don't try to make the word line up with how we want to live. It's painful. It's hard. But that's what we're called to do. To value relationships over rules and religion. Relationships are messy and difficult. Rules and religion, denominations, control. But God says, Jesus says, in, well, the word says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And let me tell you, there's a culture even within the church that people conform to that is not godly. And the word says, do not conform to, this, to the church world or to the world that you live in, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll know, then you'll hear the voice of the Lord. Then you'll know what God's will is, the good and pleasing and perfect will. And then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And here's what I found about all of humanity. We hunger for freedom freedom in our spirit. We're doing all kinds of things to have freedom in our spirit. The second one, that's spiritual growth. He got that one. That was the first part of the vision. That was the part of the vision for 25 years. Now it's a personal vision. It can be a personal vision for you. The second one is worship. 
And the thing to remember about worship is that it's not the music that you just sang this morning. It's not the preaching that you're hearing today. It's not just that. Those are parts of it. It's not just reading your Bible in the morning and, and uh, growing spiritually. But worship is a lifestyle. It's something that we do 24-7, 365 all the time. It's a lifestyle. God started us out with the, one of the commandments when he said, don't have any other gods before me. We have lots of gods in this world, don't we? I think in uh, India, they talk about the millions of gods that they have. Well, so does the United States. We've got the god of celebrities. We've got the god of music. We've got the god of church. We've got the god of... We've got lots of gods, too. And we, it's anything that we put before the true God. Anything. Jesus said this. He said, if you seek first his kingdom, then all those other things will be added to you. He always tried to make it simpler. He's always tried to simplify it for us. You see, seeking God is worship. I remember in the early days, people would criticize us because we were a seeker church. And I said... I hope until the day I die, I'm continually seeking God. Because if we get to a place where we say we no longer need to seek God, then you're basically saying, I've arrived, I'm the expert, and I'll let you know all about God. Well, you've just made yourself God. You follow me? Seeking God until the day we die. Because we're human. And he's not. And we can always learn to know him more. And we can always grow closer to him. And trusting him in the unseen, the things that we don't understand, that is worship. It says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And we have to remember that even in the tough times, you know, so many people shrink away from coming to worship corporately when they're going through difficult times i've seen it over and over again i know there have been times when i wanted to but especially when trouble hits it says after about midnight paul and silas were praying and singing hymns to god and the other prisoners were listening they were in jail it doesn't get much worse than that and they were singing and influencing people around them they weren't denying the trouble and the problem that they were in but they decided to worship and the bible says praise the lord my soul all my inmost being that means every fiber of my being praise his holy name never stop never stop and that doesn't mean you need to go around talking christianese like oh greetings brothers and sisters in christ and no, you can have an ongoing worship going on in your heart 24-7, 365. And I can tell you the joy that comes from that in spite of your circumstances is immeasurable. It's beyond what you can even fathom. Worship, even when I don't understand, I will trust him. Even when the stock market crashes, or even if I get coronavirus, I won't panic. Because you see, our culture, our world, panics. And they do things knee-jerk. And if anybody that could have the calm assurance in the midst of really tough times, it should be believers. That's the witness 
that we give to those to the ends of the earth. I won't panic. I'll worship. Even if my business fails, even when I lose the most precious thing I have, I will choose to worship. Pretty big. Spiritual growth. Worship. Vision. The third one is facility. This is what God gave Salem Fields Community Church in those days. You see, the facilities represent material things. It represents the temporal, the things that we can see. They're important as well. We just don't want to place our trust. Early in the new life of Salem Fields, we knew that we needed to be faithful to this vision that God gave. And if we were, people would show up. And they did. You see, we would go to, in, in the church world, they would have growth conferences. And we say, no, no, no. If you are faithful to a vision, you grow. But if you focus on growth, you get off track. If you want this place to grow, it's not about saying, what can we do to make it grow? How can we reach out more? No, it's about being faithful to the vision. And so Buddy and I stayed faithful to that vision. You know what happened? People started showing up. We didn't even know how to lead people. Somebody said they came when there was 200. We started it with 60 people. And when it grew to 200, it was already like, what, 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 what? But we knew God was blessing and we knew he had given a vision and we were going to stay the course. And what happened was they showed up and we needed more space. And over time, there was land and buildings and air conditioners and carpet and vans. And and God was adding to the numbers daily. And we knew that he entrusted us with this vision, and so we were going to stay the course even though we didn't know exactly how to do that. And we did. And we had more responsibility. And we were we were charged to be good stewards of the material things that God blessed us with. And we can look around and we can all see all these things. Well, how do we translate that into a personal vision? Well, God has given every single one of us material things. Everybody probably slept in a warm bed last night. Everybody probably got up this morning. I had my chocolate milk. I don't know what you have in the morning. But we have a lot. Even the poorest of the poor in the United States ranks in the top in the world. And we have it really good, and God has entrusted. And many times we think that we earned that, that our money bought that. No, God owns everything. He's only entrusted those material things to us so that we'll be good stewards of that. God's blessed us with all of that. The Bible says uh, he's entrusted us with family. Those are people that we see, that we have around us, that we're connected to. He says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. The very first attention that all of us have a responsibility to are those people of our family. We're called to take care of our environment. Now, the culture has gone crazy on that one, but we are. God calls us to take care of, to be a good citizen, do what we can to to help our earth. But he also calls us to take care of our physical bodies, take care of our health. He says this, do you not know that your body, it's not this building 
the spirit resides in this body that'll pass away. Now, we get all haywire with that one too, don't we? There are young girls that are looking in the mirror and cutting themselves because they hate the way their body looks. There are adults that are so focused on food and, and pumping up and get, and all of those things, all of the things that we do for our body are, are okay, but we're off track. Because we, it says that we were bought with a price and that this is not our property. We were purchased with the precious blood of Jesus and we are to honor and glorify God with our body. What does that mean? Well, it may mean different things and I encourage you to ask the Lord, what does that mean for my body? Because it says it's the temple of God. But Jesus always brings us back with those material things. He brings us back to the bigger picture, the eternal. And he reminds us of what's most important. He says, I allow you to have material things, but here's what I want you to remember. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break or steal. You know, someone said, never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. Can't take it with you. All you have is exactly what you came into this world with. Nothing. And God says, everything that you do, be mindful that you're storing up your treasures in heaven. So how does this fit your personal vision? How did it fit Salem Field? Take care of what you've been given materially but invest in those things that are eternal and that's a soul and Jesus and relationships so those first three were all about us growing as a as a person and you know so many churches jump from uh they they take this next one ministry to others and make it all about that. Because we think, well, we're supposed to serve, we're supposed to reach out, we're supposed No, no, no. God calls us to those first three first. Pay attention to those so that we can be the people that can do ministry to others with a pure heart and a pure mind. See, the, this next one, the, the first three are about looking more like Jesus as a disciple and as a learner. And the vision of Salem Fields is not outreach. We do outreach incredibly. We do amazing outreach events, but that's not the vision of Salem Fields. That's one small piece of what God has called this place to be. We do not have credibility of leading or teaching others if we avoid being open to the truth about ourselves. And if we miss those first three and we skip to this one, there is a danger of a missionary mentality. You know what that is? Missionary mentality reminds me, there was a, 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 I had a course in graduate school that um, was called multicultural counseling, and I needed to learn about another culture. So I went to the Smithsonian, and I spent weeks there, and I spent hours there, and I wrote everything down about the Native American culture. And I fell in love. I watched every movie I could possibly, dances with wolves to subtitles to whatever. I immersed myself in that culture. And I've been watching this little show called Anne with an E. Pretty cute. And uh, in there, they've got one little segment about what the missionaries 
are do what they did to that Native American culture. They took the children, they cut off their hair, they put them in Americanized English clothing, because what they were doing was they were saying, you poor Native American people, you need to be like us. And my concern in the church is that we do the same thing. Is that somehow we think that we have a market on how everybody else should be instead of understanding that we have differences. And we need to listen and learn and respect the differences of other people and have an open heart and an open mind and an open ear to those people that are different, that think differently than we do. And not try to make them into little me's, but to respect them as a creation of God. That is ministry to others. An open heart and open mind, it's who Jesus was. You see, if we have that missionary mentality, there's an arrogance. There's a, I'm a little bit more superior to you. And my concern in our Christian world today, that's why we have a lot of empty seats. You see, we will never know the impact that the vision of Salem Fields has made here and around the world over the past 25 years. We'll never know that until we get to heaven. And I'm totally okay with that. But it's been significant. Remember, Buddy and I, as leaders, were only caretakers and stewards of the vision. Whoever the next leader is, that's exactly what they are called to be. We will take credit for being faithful to the end and stubborn, a stubborn conviction to stay true to the vision but we will never take credit for the miracles that God has done in transforming the lives of people. We have been a vehicle. That's all we've been, a caretaker and a steward. We have been a vehicle to give God glory for what only he can do. And he's done so much. You see, we're vision carriers. Our goal is to point people to Jesus, not to have them look at us and expect us to be Jesus. Last week, Buddy's parting words were powerful. In fact, it's been good for both of us to be able to do this. Thank you for giving us the time. Thank you, God. Maybe part of what it's all about. But last week, Buddy talked about ministry to others and about Jesus and how we are to be more like Jesus. And when Jesus looked at the crowds, he had compassion. He didn't tell them, you need to be like me. No, he had compassion. He was overwhelmed with compassion. And I can tell you, being in the church world or being in your workplace, you can become a bit of a cynic and you can lose compassion. But the scripture that Buddy used was when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Are we looking at the crowds of people who believe different, who look different, who smell different, who have different ways, who say things that we don't like? And Are we looking at the crowds with compassion? See, our time is coming to a close for Buddy and I in this capacity at Salem Fields Community Church. But our hearts still beat as vision carriers. God's leading Buddy 
into territory. God is leading me into new territory. He's definitely not finished with any of us until the last breath that we breathe on this earth, we still have purpose. And Thursday, I got to put this into practice and ask God, what, what are you doing with me here? I was invited to a political rally. Now, if you know me, I keep my finger on the pulse of politics. I know what's going on in our world today. I also understand humanity. But politics is not my heartbeat. I do not believe that hope for humanity comes from the government. Government is important. A system, men's systems, men and uh, uh, worldly systems are important. But that is not where we find hope. We find hope in Jesus. And at that rally, like many, many years ago, when Buddy and I went to Montreal, Canada, and we found ourselves in the middle of 40,000 people that were living and celebrating a lifestyle that's very different than ours. We looked up at the banner on the light post and it said the out games. And we were at the Olympic Park and we found ourselves in the middle of people and we were looking around and we say, God loves everybody here too. And the political rally on Thursday was a bit like that for me. I saw thousands of people, mostly very young people, that were looking to a political candidate for hope. But in the hearts, I'm sure, of those young people and the other people there, they're carrying a burden. They're carrying uh, thoughts that they're going to eventually one day have to take care of their parents. They're saying, how am I ever going to deal with this overwhelming debt that I have? Where, how am I going to get a relationship? I could see that, and I had compassion for that crowd. And in the middle of the, all of that, I found it very fascinating, and I thanked God that he still has given me a compassion for people who are not like me, that believe different than me, still a heart and an open ear, and to be able to connect. I found myself surrounded by thousands of people. I went on the college of, of William and Mary, and I looked around at the, the young people, and my heart broke. And I said, God, you're doing something in my heart. My heart broke with compassion for the thousands of young people who carry those burdens and looking for hope. And I know where hope is truly found. God has shown me. So what is my responsibility? I knew that's where I want to be, in the middle of people who don't live the way that I do. In the middle of people that say things that might grate on my last nerve. Instead of segueing myself away into a little holy pod and never being effective in the world. To have an open heart and an open ear. We can, if, we, if we cannot, as believers, respectfully connect, or if we're fearful of being honest with people, or sitting down and talking with people who are different than we are or believe different than we are. We will never be effective for Jesus. We will never be an army for God in this world. 
So my parting words are, most of us here are believers. We all have purpose. I am so humbled and so grateful that God has used me as a leader for the last 25 years inside the walls of the church. But he's leading me in a new compassion to be with people that are like me, that are turned off to organized religion. But they're looking for truth. But just looking in all the wrong places. And I ask God, how do you want to use me in the midst of all that? I don't know where it's going to take me. I don't know what it's going to look like. God does. And that's my action step into faith. It's dangerous territory. Dangerous. Because you're going to get ripped apart. You've got to have deep conviction, just like Jesus. Here's my model. Jesus had deep conviction. He knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly who he believed. And yet he opened his arms to everyone. And then he opened them even, even further to those that betrayed him, to those that stabbed him in the back, to those that talked about him behind his back, to those that nailed him to a cross. I want to be like Jesus. I don't care if it's dangerous. I don't even care if it takes my life whatever that looks like. That's faith. And the Bible says, without faith, you can't please God. Let's worship.
presence of my Savior. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Jesus as your Savior, have never accepted Him, or are in a relationship with Him, if you would even consider that, talk to somebody, um, allow God to just speak to your heart about that. The second is a group of people that have just begun this faith walk. You're new in this. Just continue to grow. Just continue to do whatever it takes to know Jesus more. Keep your eyes on him, not other people. Love God, trust God, love people, not the other way around. People are always going to let you down, expect it. That second group of people, just develop a relationship with Jesus to guide you through life. But my parting words are mostly for mature believers that have been maybe a believer for five years or more. I'm going to throw out this challenge to you because God has given this challenge to me. Just be an honest person. Just be real. Just be true to what's going on in your life. 
because that's what gives God glory when he sees, when others can see what he's doing in your life and they can't see it unless you're honest about what's going on. It's just not about your problems, but it's about praising him even during the trouble times and saying, you know, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but I know a God that's going to see me through. Mature believers, I'm called a little more to you. Buddy's called to the crowds and to offer salvation. But I'm, I'm throwing out the gauntlet. I'm challenging you. Be real. Be honest. It's the only thing that diffuses hypocrisy. It's the only thing that young people and unchurched people will be drawn to. Father, thank you so much for your spirit here this morning. Thank you, God, for the awesome privilege that you have given me to be able to be in this spot for such a long time. God, I pray for the future of Salem Fields Community Church and every person that will attend here, that attends here now, will attend in the future. God, would you honor and bless this place. Father, thank you for every person here this morning. God, I want to pray even more for that person who is not here. God, I pray that you will use me out there for every person online, for every child. God, may we be people who point people to Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your presence here this morning, all that's been accomplished. I will never know. I will never see it, but I trust you and will continue to trust you with my very last breath. I love you. I give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. But still, you love me completely.